three, two, one, and welcome everyone to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today, folks, is Roy Notowitz, the founder and president of Noto Group. Roy, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Of course. So you run a podcast called How I Hire. That is uh, correct. A lot of organizations, of course, everything was happening in the economy right now, are struggling with finding uh, great candidates and, of course, employees. First, before we dive into that, I want to start a little bit about your background and how you started your impact journey. What is the origin of Noto Group? Yeah, well, Noto Group is uh, 12 and a half, 13 years old. Uh, we became a certified B Corp in 2013, so one of the first search firms in, in, our, in our industry sector um, and in the world to, to become B Corp certified. And you know, if I look back upon uh, my earlier years, um, you know, I uh, learned about the value of helping people in college. I was a volunteer EMT um, and spent some time working on ambulances and helping oh, people. And I think that was a seed if I really reflect back on that experience. And then graduated from college, went to grad school, came to Portland, and I was recruiting um, for Nike and kind of in the corporate world and uh, sort of just got busy doing stuff. And it wasn't until I started my own firm and started thinking about community and being involved that that sort of that seed came back around helping people and wanting to be connected to the greater good um, beyond just filling jobs. And so, um, so we started on that journey, um, just mostly just trying to be a good firm and, and, um, and being able to attract good people to my firm. And then it's sort of that intention has sort of snowballed into us being really thoughtful about only working with purpose and mission driven brands um, in the consumer space or companies that we identify are characterized as good companies, which we define as authentic leadership, meaningful career opportunities and great culture. And then if there's a sustainability or a better for you or, you know, a world positive kind of thing that those companies do, that's that's amazing. And there's two tracks I want to kind of cover in this conversation. One's from the employer side, the hiring side, and one's from the, the getting hired side. Yes. From the employer side, what's been the big transition or shift that you've seen over the past 13 years? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, technology has connected us more than ever. I mean, LinkedIn wasn't even a thing when I started recruiting. And, um, you know, so I think what that's done is before um, when we would begin a, a search requirements gathering session with a client or with you know, a business, um, they'd be looking for three or four or five different dimensions in an individual um, in order uh, for, to be successful in, in, in that business. Now, with the complexity of the world and with technology and with our ability to connect to so many people, the criteria has just added more and more dimensions. So they want um, almost like every, they want all these things in one person, if that makes sense. And because technology has advanced our productivity overall, one person can do much more now than they could do years ago um, with just the way that technology is helping us achieve more faster. And so I think um, there's also an el different elements. Like, you know, it used to be sustainability, for example, was somebody's job. Now that's part of everyone's job. And so um, there's different elements around leadership and different capabilities and competencies 
um, that companies really need, and true leadership is really hard to find. And from the getting hired side, the, the person getting recruited or searching for a job, technology has been a big shift. Um, what are some other changes that you've seen over the 13 years? From that perspective, again, I think it just creates more competition for jobs. So even though talent and leadership is scarce, again, they're, only, they're looking for something very specific usually within one role. And so there's lots of candidates and competition because before it might be just somebody who applied for a job um, and maybe uh, the other people in the pool didn't really hear about it because they didn't, unless they were looking for a job or on monster.com or all these places, they wouldn't necessarily know that it even existed and therefore there was less competition. Now everyone's so connected um, that as soon as we start networking a job within our talent ecosystem, it's, everyone kind of knows about it and then that creates more people in, in the top of the funnel, which allows us to be more selective, if mm. that makes sense. And so it gets harder in that way, easier in the sense that they might hear about more opportunities more readily. Um, and so, and then of course, um, LinkedIn is an incredible tool that uh, has sort of changed the game. Right, and, and when we think about the, the, the term, the talent war right now, uh, bring our viewers into the fold. Where are we currently in this war? What is happening? Where are some of the pain points uh, from a competition perspective? Can business owners take away uh, from this? Gosh, I mean, I think there's three things that companies need to think about. And um, I call it the three C's, so culture. Mm. And you have, it needs to be a good place to work. Right. Um, so that's important. That's sort of table stakes now. And when I say good place to work, it's not just, you know, uh, and now it's remote, you know, <laughs> things like that. But it's not just, you know, having, uh, you know, beer on tap and kombucha, kombucha or, or things like that. It's actually really investing in the success of your team, creating learning opportunities, development, um, all those things. So the culture and, is really important. Um, and then career growth. So is this a meaningful opportunity? Am I going to learn from this opportunity? Is it their meat on the bone? Is this a, a meaningful challenge where I'm going to just add to my toolkit or have a success or an accomplishment that I can put on my resume? Um, and then the third and probably most important is compensation. So it doesn't, if it doesn't make financial sense, um, people aren't going to make a move. And then you add on top of that other variables like relocation and things that eliminates 80% of the pool if you say you want the person to live in a specific area and they're not in that particular location. Mm. Um, the, with COVID, though, some of that has changed. So a larger percentage of companies are open to leaders working and leading teams remotely and or having a hybrid situation where maybe they were on the wrong side of San Francisco and wouldn't have relocated you know, pre-COVID. But now if they can get to the office two days a week, and drive two hours, that's kind of, they can make it work, right? Mm. So I think it just has opened up um, a little bit more flexibility, um, but at the same time, um, it's sometimes harder for the employer to uh, get somebody to relocate. So there's all these variables that the employer can choose, right? And depending on what they choose, depends on the level of difficulty of the search and that their access to talent. If they're open to somebody living anywhere, then they have many more options and, and the ability to attract somebody 
at the right compensation with the right experience is greater. Um, but if they really are narrow on certain things, then, of course, their options are limited. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. And if you were to pie chart it, you know, you know, a nice little graph, how, how many people get hired from referrals, like the old school way, versus now you know, LinkedIn or some other third-party recruiting firm? I don't know the actual statistics and, and data in terms of the pie char- chart. I know just from our own experience that you know, our network gets us 5 to 10% of the way. Uh, sometimes we have the person in mind before we even start a search. But timing comes into play, like when somebody's available and, and compensate. All these variables, again, come into play as to whether or not that person will be interested in that job. I think the narrative <clears throat> of why that opportunity is really compelling or the, the company employment brand or the compensation package or the upside potential, all these factors kind of come into play. I would say the number one is, is, uh, is somebody who's connected to somebody else. So basically your own network, if you're doing your own job search, is the number one place you should be spending time. Mm. Um, you know, six out of 10 times, you're going to find a job through somebody that already knows your capabilities and, you know, can get you into the hiring process. That said, there's a huge emphasis now on inclusive and diverse candidate pools. And so what that means is companies want to make sure they're taking into account the entire candidate pool and that they're looking from a much broader mix of candidates and bringing those candidates into the mix and making a determination versus just going with somebody that they know without having a consistent and fair and open and uh, collaborative process where they're engaging with a broader pool. And and I guess I've found that with a lot of companies, they are making sure to include that on the descriptions or anything that talks about, just make sure they're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I watched a video on some, I think it was a chief people officer at Google saying, when we hit the point in our company where we were relying on someone's aunt, cousin, uncle referral, that's when our growth seemed to slow. How important is uh, having an intention on diversity, equity, inclusion for uh, long-term hiring or retention in your organization? I mean, it's everything. I mean, there's you know, data to show that having a diverse workforce gets better business results. Mm-hmm. You know, having multiple perspectives um, is really important. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not, diversity comes in a lot of different ways. So I think where companies sometimes fall down is they think of diversity just in terms of ethnicity or color or other, you know, um, you know things that you can see, you know. And I think diversity, again, is, it's a broad range. It's women, it's men, it's people with disabilities, it's people of different ages. So I think it's important to think about diversity in the context of your own team and then also um, in the broader context, but also diversity of thoughts and ideas and experiences, right? So everyone has brings different experiences. So maybe that looks like hiring somebody from outside of your industry sector, as an example, can bring different diversity to your company. Speaking about the boom in Portland, shipbuilding uh, at that time, that was a booming industry. It drove a lot of people to Portland, really grew the city and you know, the communities that we have today, uh, the, the makeup that we have today. 
What are some of the more attractive industries and jobs that you're seeing out there? Um, so, you know, my perspective is all consumer products because that's what we work in. Okay. Um, so we don't work in technology or finance or other places, but we work across the broad spectrum of consumer. So what that is, healthy, active lifestyles is kind of how we, um, the majority of our clients sort of fit into that category. Got and it. Okay. for example, during COVID, that was really beneficial for us because people are still running, they're riding bikes, they're inter interested in you know, functional beverages and uh, healthy living. And so cooking at home and, you know, um, so I think, um, I think that's a trend is like healthy, active lifestyles and, and also connection to purpose and mission. Uh, we didn't know it at the time when we became a B Corp, um, but we've really intersected with something that's resonating with the talent pool around people wanting to be connected to the greater good and to have jobs and work for companies that actually, you know, are doing good things and where they can connect what they're doing to something that's more meaningful. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's a trend. And for the business leaders listening to this, curious about best hiring practices, what is the most common mistake that a lot of business leaders or executives make when going through a search? That's a great question. Um, there's so many opportunities to make mistakes. I think the first and most important thing is you have to get really clear on what the success profile is on the front end of the search. Oftentimes during the search, it's a bit of an iterative process, depending on the size of the company and their needs. However, and that's okay because we learn as we go through talking to candidates and, and sort of fine tuning and calibrating on the search. Um, but I think it's really important to really think about the core competencies and where the business wants to go and how it wants to get there. So starting with, especially at the executive level, starting at the strategic level around what does the business need, what is going to complement our existing leadership and, and help us get to where we need to go and sort of be the unlock for our business. I think the second thing is rushing the process or not um, having a comprehensive or diverse candidate pool to select from. Um, sometimes our clients get fatigued around the process because there's a lot of interviews. Again, we don't know who's available until we start shaking the trees and seeing who's out there. And it's a lot of work to make contact, establish interest, get somebody through the process. Um, and you know, they're also happily employed. You know, and there's a bit of a, um, uh, an attraction piece that needs to happen. Like the candidate needs to be compelled to make a move. And it's not just for more money. It's all those things we talked about. And so I think companies that sort of don't take time to think about, you know, how are we going to market with our job and how, you know, uh, what's our narrative as a, as a company, as a brand, and where we are in our business cycle. Um, it's okay if, like, you need to turn things around or if you're having challenges, you know, actually being really honest about what those are are really important because you want to attract or repel somebody who doesn't want to take on that challenge mm. or be part of that mission, you know. And so I think there's... I think it's being really accurate about what the job is and, and, and what the challenges are and what you want the person to accomplish. Um, and then, uh, you know, really just having a thoughtful process throughout. And then the last thing I would say is making sure that there's a leadership integration or onboarding and transition process to support, you know, whether it's several new leaders coming in or one new leader coming in to make sure that those relationships and the trust 
and that you know the new ways of working and and that this person is integrated into the business successfully so that you can accelerate their time to to success and impact let's talk about the integration process a little bit uh, do a lot of newly hires tend to, do they tend to leave right after they get hired especially at the executive level and yeah. with founder transitions there's a honeymoon period where everything's great and you, they hired the right person but inevitably after a few months um, you know, once that person wraps their head around the business and un- identifies what needs to happen, maybe there's a founder or other leaders involved where um, the new leader needs to start making decisions, making changes, investing in new directions. And, um, and that makes it uncomfortable for the founder um, because what is their new role? And defining their new role as well, if they're staying involved in the company or if they're exiting, there's lots of emotions and feelings around that as well. And so... Um, one of the things that's unique about our firm is that we we support founder transitions and and what we call leadership integration and acceleration. Mm. So we don't just fill the job and then walk away. We are able to provide, you know, um, leadership assessment, as well as um, you know coaching, and workshops and team building and things like that around that new leader or that new leadership team that's coming together to take the business to the next level. And I love how you're saying, hey, you got to be really transparent. What happens when the expectations aren't really what this new leader thought they were or what the search firm thought they were? Yeah, I mean, that does happen. Um, Sometimes it ties to like the balance sheet or financial status of the company where Mm -hmm. um, they don't really know until they dig in. Um, And so we try to, again, it ties to being um, working with companies that we believe in and that we have that trust and transparency with and that partnership with. So hopefully that doesn't happen. At the same time, I think um, that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that is a thing and that creates problems. And either the person leaves quickly or they try to work things out and work through those things. Um, and it just really depends on how much different Reality is from, you know, what they had thought right. it was coming in, and also different things happen. We placed a, a CEO and president two weeks before COVID hit, and then everything changed with that business because of COVID. So sometimes there's just things that you can't even predict, you know. Right. And so that's you know you need I think learning agility, um, adaptability, things like that are important leadership characteristics. Um, you know, and, and to the extent that they need to use those. And for the person looking for new opportunities right now, it's a really good job market. They're in a great position. Looking for new opportunities. Uh, uh, what advice do you have for those people? What should be on their resume? How should they go about their search? I think first it's really thinking about the end destination with their career. Like where do they want to go with their career? Um, and also just thinking about this, the criteria, the, the matrix of, you know, what, what needs to exist for, what needs to exist for me to be able to make that leap? Mm. You know, is there something that's missing in my current role that I want to bring into my experience? Um, or do I want to work for a more purpose and mission driven company because I'm not feeling really connected to the greater good in my current company? Um, so I think first it's just, you know, do I want to work for a big company or a small company? What are those experiences going to be like? And thinking through, um, not only just balancing your career, but really just kind of like 
as you gain an experience, you kind of learn what you like and don't like, and you have less tolerance for stuff that doesn't fit into <laughs> for, for BS or for politics or for whatever scenario that you just might not want to deal with anymore. So I think, and the more experience and the more capable you are, the more choices you have. And so I think it's really, um, you know, personal decision based on what your goals are. If you want to work for a private equity um, funded company and have an upside, or if you want to work for, you know, a purpose trust or employee owned company, those are two different horses. And so um, really comes down to, you know, really digging deep and understanding what kind of experience you want to get and what are you trying, what, what's going to be meaningful for your career. And Roy, what's the end game for you, just personally speaking, <laughs> when you exit this organization, what's the legacy you want? Well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that, um, actually. And, um, you know, I, 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 my firm does a lot of great things. You know, we donate 1% of revenue um, to causes we believe in. Um, we, my team is really connected to the purpose and mission of our clients. And so I really, our, our, our purpose is to amplify the impact, positive impact of individuals and teams. And so I'd love to see that legacy continue. And that might look like a purpose trust or some sort of employee-owned thing, or we might sell to another firm. But I haven't found a lot of firms out there that really match our values. Um, there's a lot of corporate, bigger recruiting firms that don't understand what we're all about. We have our own mojo and our own vibe. Um, you know, our vision is to be the go-to firm for good companies, and so that we want to stick with that. And uh, you know, our mission every day we come to work to is to build authentic leadership teams that excel and endure. And so, I'd love to see that legacy continue after me. Um, I haven't figured out exactly what that path is. I figure I have about ten years at least to figure that out because I'm, you know. I still love what I do, and I, my team, we're at this really amazing, we've doubled in the last two years, and you know, we're on, we have a lot of momentum right now in, in the industry sectors that we're serving. So we're actually on the process, in the process of thinking about the future and, and what that holds. Um, but my goal is to continue to, I'm growth oriented. I think everything healthy grows, as one of my colleagues uh, and clients said, um, to be in the past in terms of how they've built their teams. Very wise advice, and congratulations on all the growth, by the way. Um, I think leaving things way better than you found them is a great mark of a good leader. Let's bring this home, Roy. What is your definition of a real leader? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, if, I think it's somebody who is self-aware and knows their strengths and weaknesses and can articulate those, and somebody who's on a learning journey, um, constantly learning, um, applying new information, unlearning, you know, adapting. I, I feel like, um, you know, somebody who wants to truly invest in the success of other people. And, um, you know, it's just somebody who's authentic, inclusive, connected to purpose, um, able to build high-performance teams, um, you know, and uh, somebody who uh, truly, truly cares about other people and their success um, beyond their own ego or their own reasons for, um, you know, uh, making money or other things. I feel like leaders are really, like, they're going to look at the team first when there's challenges and take care of them and try to figure out problems and then um, think about um, themselves, you know, sort of last. Well put for Roy Notowitz. I'm Kevin Edwards asking <laughs> you to go out there 
Invest in the success of your people. And always, folks, keep it Thank real. Thank you. It was Thanks great to meet you. It. Yeah, of course.